0: Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. We are back in the book of James. You wondered if we'd ever get back here. We are James chapter 4 is where we are. And verse number 13, James 4, 13, for our time in the Word tonight. Father, I pray you'll direct our thoughts and fill me with your spirit. I pray that you would use this time in the wonderful epistle of James that was inspired by you to help us just live our faith in practical ways. And so tonight, Lord, I uh, just give the time to you and I pray that you would use your Word to instruct us, inform us, convict us, and bring us closer to thyself. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Famous boasts. Have you ever heard anybody boast about anything? Uh, tonight we're going to look at this, uh, the topic beginning in verse 13 of James chapter 4. Um, who said this? Famous boasts, brags, here it is. I'm not the greatest, I'm the double greatest. I'm not only knocked them out, I picked the round. Some of you know who said that. Some of you older ones, he went on to say, I'm I'm the boldest, the prettiest, the most superior, the most scientific, where did that come from? The most skillful fighter in the ring today. Muhammad Ali was a big fighter, bold man, and a big talker. He was a boaster if if there ever was one. He said, once I've wrestled with alligators, I've tussled with a whale. I've done handcuffed lightning, I throw thunder in jail. You know I'm bad. I've murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. (laughs) That's our good friend Muhammad Ali, the heavyweight champion of the world. A big mouth, too. He liked to boast. Here, uh, the the wonderful writer James tells us, look out. Watch your boasting. We begin our reading in chapter 4 and verse 13. Go to now. Ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city, and there continue a year, and buy and sell, and get gain, and whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil, therefore to him that Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Reading on, chapter 5, the last chapter of the book of James. Go to now, he repeats that phrase, ye rich men, weep and howl. For your miseries that shall come upon you, your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and ye shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You've heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, your laborers, your, the hire of your laborers, who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth out, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, And he doth not resist you. These are some of the harshest words that James will say in his entire epistle. Be careful how you boast. I met a girl once in college and her whole life, she told me, was planned. She was only a college girl, but she said, I'm going to marry a Christian boy. She was kind of boasting about the future. I'm going to have five kids. Of course, uh, in her mind, they were already named. She had names for every one of them. She was going to live in a certain part of the country, do a certain type of work, live in such and such a house, decorate it in such a way. And I could tell she had spent most of her life dreaming about the future, and she was quite specific. Um, So I asked her (laughs) uh, what her fiancé thought about her plans, and she said this, oh, I'm not even dating yet, but these are my plans. And she said this, I hope that the guy that I'm secretly in love with agrees with me. (laughs) Uh, she 's got a shock coming. Uh, most married folks know the surprise of all surprises is that our spouse rarely thinks the way we think, and so she was in for quite a surprise now, knowing her planning nature, some of you might think well that 's great she 's a forward thinker she 's looking down the hallway of time and she 's being prepared. <laughs> Others would think no she 's rather foolish, rather foolish to think that she could plan life to that degree. Our text begins with three interesting words that are used twice, and only James uses these words in the New Testament. Go to now. What do you think that means? Be careful. Wake up. Look out. Listen up. And again, chapter 5, verse 1, go to now. Listen to what I'm saying. He's speaking at this point, in this context, to rich Jewish businessmen who could think of nothing else but to make money, money, money. And they were planning their lives, especially chapter 4, planning their lives, planning their future, and even to the specifics of, going to go here to this city for a a whole year, and I'm going to sell and trade and make much money, gain. He's warning that kind of boasting crowd that you're not to do that. Uh, There's a lot of planning going on in chapter 4, verse 13. And it's planning without giving any consideration to what God wants. God is marginalized in this sort of plan. Have you ever come up with a great plan and then ask God to put a stamp of approval on it? Say, Lord, here's what I'd like to do. If you don't mind, just second this motion. <laughs> Lord, here's what I want to do, and it's a good plan, so, Lord, if you don't mind, just go ahead and, and uh, give me the okay, the thumbs up. I'm going to go here and make a lot of money, get gain, money, 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 profit. The word in the Greek there for get gain is emporium, from which we get the word emporium today, emporos, one who gets the trade, or here's another way to say it, a go-getter. Don't most bosses want people that are go-getters? I mean, think about it. You don't want to hire a guy that's just, you know, just kind of. Floats or drifts around, no real initiative. So what's wrong with this? The idea really in the Greek is a drummer. (laughs) One who drums up business. Wow, who who wouldn't want a guy like that on the workforce, on the team? Well, he says, verse um, 14 whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is just a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Is there anything wrong with planning ahead? No, obviously not. But to plan ahead without God in the picture is a a silly boast. Such boasting presumes that your life is yours. I'm going to uh, I'm going to refer again back to verse 14. For what is your life? It's just a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. It is amazing when I have the privilege of officiating a funeral that uh, often we speak of a life in terms, especially with the widow or the widower, in terms of it seems like just yesterday <laughs> we got married. It seems like just yesterday our kids were This tall. And life has gone by so quickly. We've done a few funerals here recently, and it seems like life, as James says, is just fleeting. It's a vapor. And here's a man boasting on what he's going to do this year, perhaps the next. What could be wrong with a self starter, a go getter? Don't boast like that. Don't boast in your plans. Some of you are type A, you're go getters, you're planners. Be careful that you do not exclude God in your plans. I'd like to do this. I'd like to make a lot of money, and then I'm going to go here and buy that, settle down and retire over here, and my life is going to be great. Such boasting is selfish. It assumes that the control of your life is yours, not God's. I'm going to continue a year. Really? Life is a gift every moment, every breath you take. Not guaranteed, is it? Here's a man boasting... In his own control over his plans. We are gods by what? Creation. And we are gods by his regeneration. So we are doubly enslaved. Or the word is really, really owing God our master everything. Everything we owe to him. Uh, We are not our own. We are bought with a price. So the response. When I think about our response to a person like this. Or this tendency in our own lives to plan without God. I think of a, a man who came up to the Lord in Luke chapter 12, I believe it was. He came up to the Lord, Luke 12, 13, and he said, Master, would you please straighten out my brother? My brother wants to take most of the will, the inheritance. What does the Lord say? He says, I, I, I'm not here. I'm not here to administrate your disputes over money. That's not my calling. He was so Interested in making sure that he got his amount of the stuff, his inheritance. I look back to a statistic from 2018. In uh, in terms of of storage space, did you know that America is by far and away the leader in storage space units to the to the degree of ninety. We we own ninety percent of the storage space, facilities in the world. We we own that much. Why? Because we in America love our stuff. The more stuff we have, the happier we are. Rob and I are moving our stuff around in the garage and wondering why we have it at all. A great commendation to all of us is to travel lighter. The Lord said to that man who was concerned about his stuff, he said, I'm not here to separate or make uh, decisions about who owns the most or who should have enough between you and your brother. And then he went on to share a, a parable. He said uh, in Luke chapter 12, 19, there's this man who had big barns, but he wanted bigger barns. And he, he said, I, I would like to have bigger barns for more stuff, more crop, more goods. And so he did. He surrounded himself with taller barns, more Stuff to retire on comfortably. And then he said, soul, chapter 12 of Luke and verse 19. You have enough stuff, goods, laid up for many years. Take now thine ease, retire nicely, eat, drink, be merry. And God said to him, remember those words? Thou fool. This night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then, whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? What's the translation there? Life. Is not yours, nor are the things that you have. Everything we have is a gift from God, even the next breath we take. It's not ours. It's okay to plan, but not to plan without God. Be careful how you boast about your possessions. He would go on in that chapter in Luke. Say, consider the lilies, consider the ravens. They don't the Heavenly Father takes care of them. So make sure in your plans that you include not just include, but you start with seeking first the kingdom of heaven. Here's a man planning in James chapter four a life without God. He's not thinking about where are my kids going to go to school. He's not thinking about where's the next synagogue I should. Is it close to a place where I can understand the truth of God's word? There's not a God central focus with this man. It's all about the money. How sad. So in James chapter 4, 13, 14, the Lord says, Your boasting and future plans, future gains, is wrongful. For it includes, uh, for it doesn't include, really, a focus upon God. It's wrong on three counts. First of all, it presumes on the future. Secondly, assumes the ownership of my life is mine. And then God would tell us we are not our own. We're bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.20 I wonder if this morning you started, I, I talked about this in our In our Sunday school class, I wonder if this morning you woke up uh, and just cried out, Lord, I'm yours. I need you. Not just in the crisis, not just in the big moments, not in the big crossroads. Lord, I need you for everything. I asked the class this morning a question about why does a little baby cry out in the morning? Um, Why does that that little child cry well wants to alert mama that he or she is up (laughs) I'm awake why aren't you up mama but there is that cry that says notice me and mama I I need you he can't move he can't change his own diaper he can't feed himself everything comes from the nourishment from his parents and so he cries out and Every good mama knows that cry. It's not necessarily a cry that I'm angry even hungry. It's just, Mama, I need you. Did you wake up this morning crying out, God, I need you? My plans, my life, prayer is simply a dependent cry, God, I need you. So we ought not presume on the future. We ought not assume the ownership of our own life. And thirdly, verse 16, uh, he says this boasting is evil because it neglects an all-important principle. I exist for the glory of God. Buying and selling, getting gain, the emporium idea doesn't fit the holy calling template. God, I'm yours. I exist to proclaim the goodness of grace of God, and so we are to be rich toward God. James 4.17 here is critical. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. But James isn't through about just getting on folks that are planning without God. He's going to move his gears a little bit and he's going to jump on those that are boasting in what they have. Not just those that are planning to get rich and planning ahead without him. He's now going to focus on those that are rich. Let me ask you a question. Is it wrong to be rich? No, it isn't. It is, it is not. But we have to remember who gives us the riches and then how to be proper stewards of that. Well, let's read a few verses in chapter 5. Go to now, ye rich men. And then this, uh, that same phrase, listen up, pay attention, be, be careful, wise up. Go to now. Hold on. Ye rich men, weep and howl. Now, folks, James isn't just saying change your ways a bit, mend your ways a little bit, do a little reform here. He's saying fall on your knees and cry out to God. Why would you think James is so concerned about this? He said to those that would be rich in chapter 4, your boasting is wrong and your plans are wrong. And now, chapter 5, he says, I want you to be careful if you're boasting in your riches. Go to, wise up. He uses his strongest language in the whole book for those that are not using as wise stewards the riches that God has given them. He says, for miseries, verse 1, will come upon you. What sort of miseries? Well, let's read on. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. He uses a, and he's good at this throughout the whole book, using just imagery that really helps us to see we moved to Brazil and I came from the Midwest and we packed up all our stuff in the drawers that we had when we got down to the tropics and it wasn't long before we opened one of our drawers and found holes in all of our clothes big old moth flew out of the drawer they can do a lot of damage I don't know if anybody's had moth-eaten clothes before but we know a little bit about that and James is saying your riches are corrupted and your corrode, and your garments are moth-eaten, your silver and gold is cankered. And the rust, now we know that these two, sil- or these two metals, do, precious metals don't rust, but the, figuratively, the rust of them shall be a witness against you. Think ahead to the day that you will stand before the Lord. And here is a serious warning to us. The whole book of James really is about one thing, and it is about this, it is about uh, figuring out for sure, if you want to know if you're, if you're saved or lost, <laughs> James is a great book to study. He says, you can say you're saved, but the truth is how you treat people, uh, how, you treat, how you speak with your tongue, how you use your money, how you make your decisions will all form a court one day. And they will either testify for you or against you. Your checkbook is what this is saying. Your checkbook will enter the courtroom on the last day and it will stand up and and open up for everyone to see. And say, okay, this man said he was a believer, but his riches testify against him. Kind of like uh, that story where Marley stands up against Scrooge and from the dead he witnesses against against this miserly old fella. And this bony finger comes after we die and we meet the Lord and there's this litany of witnesses that come in and instead of saying yes he's a good man I know he's a believer because look what he said where he went what he did how he spent his money here's his checkbook he he loved the poor he loved the church he loved evangelism he loves supporting missionaries but instead it's going to say something else he loved his riches it's the love of money that is the root of all evils it's not wrong to be wealthy. It's the misuse or abuse of money that reveals our hearts. Proverbs 10, says, it's the blessing of the Lord to make rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. But when God gives us riches, we've got to be careful that we use them for his glory and his purposes. And did you know, you say, well, that's definitely not a message for me, pastor. We have very little And so that wouldn't ever apply to me, this go-to, this howling. uh, That's not us. We're howling because we don't have money. Oh, listen, you know, I've mentioned this before, but Ron Blue says you can be as poor as a church mouse and still be materialistic. He said he went to Africa and saw all these huts and asked the chief there of that little village, what's the main problem? He says it's materialism. There's a man who has one chicken, he wants two. A man has one wife, he wants two or three. There's another man, he's got this this little mud hut, but he wants a bigger mud hut. I wonder tonight if that's all you can think about. I've got my plans. They don't include God. I've got my money, and I want to see it increase. You're serving money. No man can serve two masters. You can't serve the Lord and serve money. You can use money to serve the lord but you can't serve it as a master so the first six verses of chapter five form an uh, an indictment really it's a scathing uh, condemnation for those that just live i would say they are unbelievers who at the last day will be shown that by their own checkbooks their hoarders their miseries are coming your uh, riches will stand up in the courtroom of god and testify against you and so then we see there's boasting in the future and then boasting in your your planning and then your provision but there's a, a positive way to end our thoughts tonight in the word and we've skipped over a verse it's back in chapter 4 and verse 15 I don't know if you noticed that but let's go back there for ye ought to say if the Lord will we shall live in do this or do that if the Lord will Uh, we cannot ever live our life outside of the will of the Lord as believers and so that's what we ought to boast in boast in the fact that uh, God is the Lord of our lives there's anything good in us it's because God has done it so what should we boast in we are to boast in the glory of God Boast not in plans or in riches, but in Christ. Only one life twill soon be passed, and only what what's done for Christ will last. Are you drumming up business for yourself? Or are you directing your own thoughts and ways and plans without God? Is he an afterthought, like garnish on the plate? Like Perhaps a little bit of this on the side. This is what we'll do. But And if God is okay with it, that's one. If he's not, that's fine too. No, our life is a gift from God to control. Every day a gift from the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. Moms and dad, are you teaching your kids by the use of your money that he owns it all? And uh, he's the one that ought to direct your life. We boast only, only in the fact that God is uh, the master of our family, the master of our money, the master of our time. And that, again, should be our boast, Be thou my vision, be thou our one true joy. Jeremiah 9.24 says this, But let him that glorieth, boasts, glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. And that's what we're to boast in, that we know the Lord. We know Him and understand Him and love Him. It's all His. It's all His. I mentioned a story that goes way back to the Bill Gothard days. He was asking the Lord for a car. The Lord said, okay. He didn't say it audibly, but... After many, uh, many seasons of prayer, he needed a car, so the Lord gave him one. And then another man in his church said, hey, hey I've got a car. I understand you need a I said, well, i got one. He says, no, I want to give this to you anyway. He said, by the, end of the, by the end of that little season of time where he needed a car, he said, i got five or six cars out there in front of my in front of, I said, Lord, you can stop any I've got plenty, plenty of vehicles. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, right? But he said, i got plenty of vehicles. And then one of the cars got stolen. And here's what Bill Gothard said to the Lord. He, said, he he's just shared this prayer. He says, you know what, Lord? You gave me all these vehicles, and, and you took one away. And if you want to take your own cars, that's fine with me. He says, that's, that's, your, that's your stuff. Stop mine anyway. Is your stuff your stuff, or is it God's? Is your time your time, or is it God's to control, to lead your plans? Yours or God's? Did Paul boast? Yes, he did. He boasted in his infirmity, 2 Corinthians twelve nine, that the power of God may rest upon me. If you want to boast in anything, boast that you're weak, <laughs> that you don't have the wisdom that you need, that you don't have the reason. Just boast in the fact that God is able, that God is big enough. And that's the way we should boast. For now, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that, go here or there, and uh, all of our planning and all of our resources ought to be driven by the fact, the question, Lord, what do you want me to do with what you have given me? The life, the resource, the family, the church, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Ideally, you want to end your life with certainly enough to live on and perhaps some to leave for your children and grandchildren, but think about this, standing before the Lord and Him opening your checkbook, looking over the years of life that you've had and asking the question, so what does this say about you? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for everything you've given us. What a blessing it is. James would remind us with almost heated language that we are to fall on our knees and cry in repentance and howl because we perhaps have had too tight a grasp on things that don't matter. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts. Help us to be transparent with you. And then, Lord, if, if you want us to send more, give more, Lord, I pray that we would be willing to do that. It's yours anyway. Our life is yours to control. We boast in this that we know you and understand you and your heart and your vision and what you're doing in the world today. Help us to get on board with that, to love you supremely, to seek first the kingdom of heaven. Lord, help us not to be hoarders of material things. We pray for your wisdom in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.